0: Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 991, air date October 24th, 2021. Yeah, I mean, so, hello everyone, this is Dr. Shiva Ayyadurai. Welcome. We are going to wait, but we don't have, let's see the internet connection here. Okay, it's coming in. Let's see what we have here. Okay, we're live here. All right, everyone. Uh, this is Dr. Shiva Adurai. We're in Miami with a uh, great publication called El American with Ben Q here, and Ben and I are going to have a conversation um, about all
1: sorts of topics. Yeah, take it away, Absolutely. Ben. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Thank you so much, Dr. Shiva. Absolute pleasure to be here with this man. MIT PhD, the inventor of email, involved in all kinds of things. Politician, philanthropist software programmer, all all that kind of thing. So I hope it will be a very fascinating conversation. Now, the purpose of this conversation really is he's going to treat me a bit like an idiot because I am a bit of an idiot on a lot of these topics. And I really want to get to the bottom of, of a few things, a lot of the questions people ask about um, about politics, about medicine. So we'll get right into it. So. For an idiot like myself can you explain in the simplest possible terms how and why or well we know why but why on how the election was stolen from donald trump
0: well uh ben i think the first thing we need to do is talk about what we mean by you know stolen you know these things called election fraud and i just want to define that very simply for you um it, when i started getting involved in this You know, back in September in my own election, when we saw the absolute stealing that took place in my Massachusetts Republican primary election, that's when it got me interested from an engineering standpoint to really understand these election systems. Okay, And there's two parts of the election system. One part of the election system is where you can count votes, hand counted paper ballots. I have this paper here. People fill out the paper and they go vote. Human beings actually review those ballots Etc. In Massachusetts, for example, it was Republicans who committed election fraud against a Republican, right? Which is me. We yeah. had 3,000 volunteers on the ground. We were everywhere. The Massachusetts GOP found a nobody to run just to make sure that they would end up with a designated loser. Well, what did we find out there? We found out on September, 2020, I win in a hand counted county, predominantly all white working class people in Franklin County, Massachusetts, many counties. I win there by by nearly 10 points in Massachusetts. And in every other county I was running for US Senate, I lose 60-40, 60-40, 60-40, 60-40, 60-40, To a guy who nobody knew, who had no campaign, no lawn signs, no bumper stickers, nothing. We raised 10 times more money than him, everyone knew us. And that's when I never thought election fraud took place in the United States. I thought it was a, quote unquote, a third world thing. And that led me to apply all my engineering system skills and. You know, my MIT software engineering skills to understand that the entire voting process in the United States is a complex system. People come in to vote. They can vote by paper, hand counted by paper. Or when they vote by paper, their ballot gets scanned into something called a image, a ballot image. And a machine looks for all those dots and you know circles to count it using its A.I. Well, so I, quote unquote, lost in all of these counties which had electronic voting machines. So as I learned about this, I found out that in Massachusetts, they deleted those images of the ballots, which are supposed to save for 22 months, according to federal law. That led into me filing lawsuits. That led into me doing analysis. And it's a whole other topic which we can talk about. But fundamentally, before Donald Trump's election in November third, I had already figured out all the failures in the US systems of election.
1: So image deletion. Is ballot what?
0: images, the deletion of the so ballot. So that's
1: the vote, essentially. So it's, it's the ballot. cast it for you. They ticked it by your name. That goes into the machine. And then what you're saying is that was disappeared. If
0: you In right. Massachusetts, okay. exactly. In your primary. In our primary. Okay. In fact, when we filed public records request and we told the Secretary of State, I want the ballot images, they openly say, oh, we deleted them. We don't have to save it by Massachusetts law. Well, the law is for a federal election passed 50 years ago by a Democrat majority. Any record in connection with the election must be preserved for 22 months. Okay, so that led into a lawsuit that led into us uncovering that when I shared this on Twitter, I was thrown off by the government contacting Twitter because what I had uncovered was a systems failure. No different than remember when the space shuttle blew up. They found out the O-ring was wrong. This was many years ago. So my conclusion out of this entire thing was that. When, you, when we talk about fraud or things being stolen, Ben, I look at it in a very simple way. You wanted me to make things simple. Very simply, imagine you have a process to make cookies. You have to get the flour. You have to find the chocolate chips. You have to put it together. And then you have to bake. You go through a process, right? Yeah. Well, typically in any major industry in the United States, the airline industry or any major industry, those processes are very well documented. So you could replicate them by regulators, et cetera.
1: So if someone poisoned, let's say, they could. You you, you could go track it. it. You could say,
0: and it came from this batch, from this. My dad was a chemical engineer for many years for the largest manufacturing companies like Colgate. Right. Palmolive. When they produce something, if there's a problem, the manufacturing processes can directly, to your point, find out where it came from. It's called the standardized operating procedures. Every step. is okay. So what I discovered was, first of all, numbers weren't matching up. System A is not communicating with systems B. The people are very opaque. They're not transparent. They delete stuff. And if you challenge them, there's this culture of who the hell are you to ask me, right? So by the time Trump's election took place November 3rd, I had figured out the mathematics. I figured out the system's failures. And when Trump's election took place, I started seeing anomalies. I did the math. I was the first guy who did the math in Michigan, showed... Some very interesting anomalies. And then we did stuff in Georgia. And, you know, the work we started doing started going viral. When Arizona came, the audit in Arizona, which I participated in, at that time, we had found out that the numbers didn't add up. It's simple math. That led into the Arizona audit taking place, as you saw recently. And 20 days before that audit was to be completed, I was called in to look at what's called the images, not of the ballots, but the envelopes. So what are the envelopes? Well, in Arizona, like in Arizona, 92 percent of the votes in that election took place, paper ba- mail in ballots. OK. Um, mail in ballots. OK. I have to take this call. Right, OK, I'll call back. Let me call this guy back. Um, uh, so sorry about that. So 90, 92 percent of those of the the uh, the election in Arizona was through mail-in ballots, which means people are at home. They filled out an envelope, okay, and they submitted it.
1: Ninety-two percent.
0: Ninety-two percent. Only eight so
1: percent you... of people voted yes. on the day of the election. Yes. So, so basically, November third wasn't election day. It was October, September being election
0: day. Exactly. Sorry. Okay. Exactly. So 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 ninety-two percent of those elections, okay uh of that uh nearly 1.9 million ballots were mail-in ballots that came in where people had um you know uh take an envelope and they signed the outside of that envelope with their name and then they put their ballot in and they submit it so what happens when that happens those envelopes come in and they're scanned in a facility into images those images are then reviewed by human beings, volunteers, look at the signature on that. So if it's Ben Q...
1: And i have got a lot of this, the signatures on the Signature file.
0: verification. So okay, they look at yes. the signatures on the image, everything's... And they look at the signatures on file. If they match, then your ballot is opened and then it's counted. If it's not, if it doesn't match, they have a process called curing, where people call the person up if their name is on the ballot. It's a... Anyway, you can think about the complexity of this process. I would say 99.999% of Arizonans, Americans even know about this process. I was asked to review the images of those envelopes and see if there was a signature in the signature area, if there was a scribble or if there was a blank. So that's what I was hired to do 20 days before and we did a great job, Uh, we got everything done. And what we found out was, first thing we found out was there were 6,545 more ballots than the envelopes. Okay. Okay. Which is an important. So every ballot should have an envelope. So we found that they had counted six thousand, close to sixty-five hundred, or more. So
1: you could have more envelopes than a ballot.
0: Well, you should have. practically you but could, you but you have
1: more ballots than an envelope. Well, you
0: or should. Well, you should have, should have one ballot for every one envelope. Okay. Okay. And it didn't matter. No, they had yeah. more ballots. So, where are the envelopes? That's one of the anomalies. We yep. never accused anyone of fraud. We said, listen, I'm a scientist. Here's an anomaly. So, the ex- sum of how many did you
1: say? 6,545.
0: 6,500. I remember that election was lost with, by 10,000 votes in Arizona. In Arizona. Okay. This was just in one county, Maricopa County. So, in one county, we see 6,500 6, more ballots and envelopes. In Maricopa County alone, 1.9 million mail in ballots came in. Out of those 1.9 million ballots, when they did the signature verification, they said only 587 of those ballots didn't match up with the signatures. Very low signature rate, three one hundredths of one percent. So I also said that's another anomaly. Right. You know, it's a very low signature mismatch rate. And like this, we pointed out anomalies. For example, we had found out that there were duplicate envelopes. That were coming literally after the election, nearly 17,000. The key point I want to make here is that we proposed different anomalies, not proposed, we found different anomalies. We presented that to the Senate. We said, look, we're not even claiming any fraud took place here. We're just saying th- the election officials need to let us know why this is occurring. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. And that resulted not in a proper dialogue. The election officials going to their media proxies and attacking me as a conspiracy theorist, as an anti-vaxxer, as a guy, you know, trying to uh, take away the fact that I did invent email, just attacking. Forget the fact that I have four degrees from MIT. have spent my entire life as an engineering systems guy. have worked with the largest companies in the world discrediting. So then I had to expose them as saying, hey, look, if you want to have a dialogue, why don't we have a dialogue? This is not about election fraud. This is about in an engineering system, we found anomalies, like you said, with the cookie thing, yeah. right? And we just want answers. And the more transparent, it be it's going to strengthen our election system. So what I want to say is, in in my definition as a scientist and an engineer, the real quote-unquote fraud is the lack of transparency
1: okay. and the
0: lack of openness. Because if you just told us what it is, we could say, oh, that's easy. Oh, we understand why that happened. So that's so. What I see as fraud is that a very
1: is the lack of transparency. It's a lack
0: of transparency. Okay,
1: now that's very interesting. Yeah. So so what you're not so you actually contend the idea that the election was quote unquote stolen. Yeah. What you're saying is that it was a very the process was lacking transparency. Yeah. yeah. And therefore that needs to be investigated, which is a very different position to saying the election was stolen outright. Mm-hmm. And that is your that is your state's position. Well what I'm
0: saying is you know, as I've always said, I mean, in our election, in Massachusetts, we've found clear evidence of the ballot images being deleted. Right. That's fraud. OK. In Arizona, what we found is these very interesting anomalies. And without explanation of those anomalies in an open way, the real issue here is why aren't the election officials just openly having a conversation? I was hired as an auditor by the people of Arizona. Let's sit across the table. And let's just go through the findings, answer them.
1: Okay, so here's my question. In the um, in the aftermath of the 2020 election, sounds very yep, go ahead. <laughs> In the aftermath of the 2020 election, there were various efforts by Generalis, uh, Rudy Giuliani, the whole Trump team, and they took these to courts, and some of these were Trump-controlled courts, or not sorry, Republican-controlled courts, I should say. You know, appointed by Republican politicians. Now, why is it that not a single one of these lawsuits has gained any traction. Why have we not seen anything uh, kind of concrete in the sense of you know uh, changing the election system or challenging the results of this election? Is it all one big conspiracy, or is it is it that you know the courts weren't convinced by the evidence? Why is it
0: so it's a good question. Look, we have two lawsuits masters our lawsuits I represent myself. We, got, we brought it to historic points and we can talk more about that. I know many of these people, okay? What's happened with any issue right now in the United States, be it mandates, be it racism, be it quote unquote election integrity, it always gets becoming a left or right issue. And in fact, the, so one side says racism exists and the other side says racism doesn't exist. One side says election integrity exists and the election fraud exists and the other side says it doesn't. That left, right, that, Uh, Pro-anti stuff has created a condition where we never get to the real issue. So there was a, you know, when we exposed what occurred in Massachusetts long before the general election, when we started exposing what occurred at the national level, you know, the 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 campaign for election fraud made four hundred million dollars. It became a money-making business, not to really solve the issue. People are sending out donations. If you look at the Trump campaign, the RNC. Made, yeah, they
1: raised a lot of they raised 300
0: million dollars. And God knows what happened with that money. The election integrity movement was a movement on the left for many years, nearly 25 years, saying, you know, votes were being stolen from minorities. Right now, the right is involved. But I would argue that both sides do not really want to solve this. Is going to sound antithetical. They do not want to solve the real systemic issues in election integrity. And this is my conclusion, having gone into it deeply. The election systems in the United States are very squishy, meaning there's all different places where you could manipulate it, okay? They're not tight, like if if you fly a plane from San Diego to Boston, right? the The air traffic systems, the airplane systems, I mean, you don't see planes falling out of the sky every day, right? Because we have standardized operating procedures. You walk into an airplane, you're not thinking, oh my God, the plane's gonna fall out of the sky. But today, 50% of Americans don't trust the election systems.
1: And that's a real, real problem. It's a problem
0: because of the lack of transparency. And my conclusion is both parties, Republicans have cheated on. Republicans, in my case, Democrats have cheated on. Democrats, like in Tim Canova's case, with Debbie Wasserman, Democrats steal from Republicans, Republicans steal from Democrats. They have made these systems squishy because, in my view, elections are, frankly, selections. And they've created an environment that they have – they do not want to. They want to keep it sort of malleable so they can decide who the winner is, the left or the right, Republican or Democrat. So many of those court cases, many of those lawsuits, if you look at them, they're garbage. The lawsuits were written so poorly. Forget even whether the courts liked it or not. The arguments, the case law was done horribly. You know, in Massachusetts, the, the stuff I filed actually made it to much more levels. Much more deeper levels. So the lawyer through the legal, system.
1: Through the legal yeah. system,
0: yeah. If you go read those lawsuits, they were poorly done. They didn't go at the heart so, of the issue. So
1: that's what's, so that's what's gone wrong in your view. It's not the fact in my that view,
0: there are the cases and there are people making type. money off quote unquote election
1: fraud. Ah, Okay, okay. So that that makes quite a lot. Of sense. Yeah, they don't want so, to solve the problem. So if I'm to kind of summarize this in a simple way, your take is that you're not saying Joe Biden or the Democrats stole X many votes or whatever. What you're saying is that this was not a transparent election and therefore you want to investigate it. And what the mainstream media is saying, Oh, this was the this was the most secure election in history. Uh, and uh, the someone on the Republicans is saying, Ireland stole it, you know, they took this X money, X amount of votes. Your take is that right. things happened that were not transparent and therefore And you should and, investigate. and there
0: are serious anomalies yeah. that we should investigate.
1: If a plane
0: crash took place and I was brought in to audit that, I'd say, hey, I saw this, this, this. If you are running a company and your customer, you put out a piece of software and a customer calls you and says, hey, uh, Ben, I, you know, I noticed this in the software. Your reaction would be, say, you're an idiot, you're a conspiracy theorist, you're an anti-vaxxer F off and hang up the phone. Right. That is the attitude we have among election officials. So the attitude should be thank you very much for that idea. Let's go look at it to understand why there's 6,545 more ballots and envelopes. We'll get back to you, Dr. Shiva, right? Instead of doing that, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. And now in the modern world of engineering systems, which is a world we live in in the 21st century, you want to welcome people. Whatever the system is, the airplane systems, your healthcare systems, when people report something's wrong, you want to accept it. You want to go find a root cause and address it. So neither party wants to do this. One party is... Is saying there was absolute fraud, da 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 da, and they've actually participated in quote unquote fraud. The other side denies that it's occurred because they want to keep status quo. Yeah, this is why we need to take a much more practical, working man's approach to this. Hey, there's a system here. I can't understand certain things.
1: So just to be clear, so you were heavily involved in the Arizona audit, and again, I've seen mixings on that. I've seen people saying, or you know, outlets saying, oh, well, it proves that Biden won by 300 more votes. My understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, is that sure, it said that Biden had won by 300 more votes, but that was only based upon the flawed system that you're trying That's what to I'm saying. The cookie is coming yeah. out at the
0: end. You're looking at a process yeah. at the end, and you're saying everything matches that. So up. what
1: did you prove in that audit?
0: What we So remember, there was two sets of auditors. One yeah. was at one company called Cyber Ninjas, my company's echo mail, we were asked to look at the mail-in ballot envelopes, okay? What we quote unquote proved or demonstrated was there are various anomalies and that that these anomalies need to be explained. And now that has gone to the attorney general. Give you another anomaly, right? Of Arizona or? In in the Maricopa County, Arizona audit. So for example, we discovered many examples of one individual with the same name, same household, having two voter IDs submitted two envelopes and both of that, those two voter IDs were counted. Okay. Now this is a serious anomaly. Well, this
1: is something they talk about all the time. People, who right. Been but we actually, for 40 but, years, but yeah, but, but, or, but this is
0: even, no, no this isn't going there. It's the same person, Ben Q living in, let's say one main street, right. With the name Ben Q, you actually have two voter IDs and you actually submitted two different ballots and both of them were counted. And we have multiple examples of that. So the issue here is how could something like that even happen? Why is one individual having two voter IDs? Why were both ballots counted, right? So you know, in science, you find interesting anomalies. As engineers, we propose it. Maybe there's a legitimate explanation, okay? Yeah. So we don't want to make any conclusions here because fraud is ultimately determined by the attorney general, right? They're the ones who prosecute stuff, right? They have to take it to the court system. So I think the most important thing for people to understand is that the left and the right, in my view, Republicans and Democrats have no interest in solving election integrity, just like they have no interest in ever solving immigration, just like they have no interest in solving racism, because both parties profit from it. Yeah. Keep, they keep the, the divide.
1: By, by maintaining the, yeah. the status quo. So tell me, so you, you've done the Arizona audit. Uh, what are the next steps in terms of, because it's, it's clear to me, you know, anyone who thinks that Trump is coming back January into office or whatever is is completely deluded Joe Biden is for better or worse the president of the United States what can what can be done in this process in terms of finding out more about the 2020 election what what other steps are there left to take with what end goal
0: well the end goal is you know we were asked on Maricopa County audit to submit all the evidence to the attorney general which we've done We've submitted images. Is he
1: currently reviewing
0: that? That's what the attorney general is reviewing. Uh, It is up to the attorney general of Arizona to decide if he wants to prosecute. Right. So the Senate. So remember, you have the legislative branch. You have the executive branch. The attorney general is under the executive branch. The Arizona Senate is the one that funded the audit.
1: Funded the audit. okay.
0: And we presented our stuff to the Arizona uh, Senate in a public hearing. The Arizona Senate then went to the attorney general to have this said, hey, we have some anomalies. And then the attorney general issued a letter, I think it was on October 6th, saying or September 25th, I'm sorry, saying that we want Dr. Shiva and the other auditors to submit direct evidence to them, which we did it about a week ago. So
1: now it's really just a waiting game. It's
0: up to the attorney okay. general.
1: And and you're going to do your planning audits elsewhere, I assume.
0: We may be called in to do other places okay. and we may do more stuff here based on what the attorney general so, wants. So
1: let's say you get east swing states, although Arizona has never typically been a swing state. But, you know, if you take if we take Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, just as two examples, Michigan, OK, three, those three states. And you do audits in each one and they all come up with serious anomalies and all the attorney generals investigate and find that the election was full of. Uh, anomalies and full of things that needs to be need to be investigated what happens then do they do they redo the election do they say we just need to fix this for the future elections what is the step then what is the end game
0: i'm not sure i yeah so remember the attorney general can uh prosecute people they can uh, uh, run discovery, they can do various things. That's under the purview of the Attorney General. So really at
1: this point it's just about investigation and exposure, exposing what happened. Yeah. You're not gonna overturn this election.
0: Well, I don't, I, you know, I think the reality is there have been instances up until, remember, one of the things I want to make clear is there was a law passed 52 U.S.C. 20701, 50 years ago by a Democrat majority. That law, was a law to encourage audits after an election for 22 months. It's a very important law that everyone needs to understand. And an audit isn't going to do any harm. No, no, no. Because I think the lawmakers recognize there could be crap that occurs during an election. So you have to give a time where you can audit it. So anyone who says audits are un-American, you shouldn't do this. (laughs) It would be like saying an airplane crashes. Nothing to see here. Move along. So an audit should be appreciated. In fact, whether it's small anomalies or large. And the reason that was done was, so you could do an election recall. So you could do anything possible. You could, if some fraud is found, and there have been cases of this, where you, the governor, whoever would appoint, or I don't know the procedure in this case, uh, you could appoint someone new and You could rerun an entire election. There's many possibilities that weren't sort of historically virgin ground here.
1: Okay, so right? that but that the, makes a lot of sense. So you're so it's all kind of yeah, as it's you say, it's it's the first time that it's that the this first kind time has happened in right. American history. Yeah. Well what well,
0: it has happened actually different points in American history in a presidential you're
1: sort of pioneers of this in the presidential
0: yeah. area with something like this. But the important thing is people should embrace this, the concept of an audit. The concept, this is the
1: democratic process because the end game is just transparency. It's ultimately.
0: transparency. So fair t- elections and transparency. Period.
1: So tell me, I've got I've got two questions here. Well, yep. um, the first one is in legislative terms, what can be done to improve election integrity? And well, yeah, we'll, we'll focus on that one for now. In legislative terms, I mean what do you think are the laws that are being passed in Florida and Texas?
0: Well, the, the thing is the legislators need to take an engineering systems approach. And what do I mean by that? They need to understand f- from the time someone walks in to participate in the election process, and there's a whole bunch of processes till the time their vote is counted, there's many different processes. The legislature should make to should pass laws to make sure all of those processes are transparent to the public, if they're gonna use mail-in ballots, okay? In my view, what's happening is with technology which can centralize voting to one, you know, all the ballots go to one facility, this is not a good thing. I don't think the founders of this country wanted centralization. In my view, ultimately, it should be, you go to vote on voting day, you go to a typical place, you vote in person, and counter paper ballots election day should be a national holiday young kids should participate community should participate yeah. and the votes should be counted you scan the ballots put them up on the cloud because it doesn't have anyone's names on it yeah
1: full transparency the mail the whole mailing system too many areas it, for it, error it, it's yeah exactly you're absolutely, forget even for, too many areas for error now i was at a conference recently and i didn't really understand uh, what, what the technology was that they were outlining this was in utah but I, I, I do know that the basis of, of what they were saying uh, is very exciting. You're a brilliant man. Surely we can create a secure system, you know, with, 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 all, the, with all the technological developments, you know, we can put we can people into space and, and whatnot. Surely we can create a foolproof election system, perhaps on the blockchain, you know, using blockchain technology that um, is totally transparent and that can't be hacked and, you know, serves as the basis for the integrity of future elections. Is that is that a possibility? Well, so,
0: so let's, you're asking a great question. So we, so if you look at any process, like you you, just, you you said we can put people up in space, okay? Taking, building a rocket, making sure that it goes into space and bring people back at the complex engineering systems process. You may, uh, in January 26, 1986, there was something called the Challenger space shuttle. The morning of that, there were icicles on the space shuttle here in Cape Canaveral, right? We're in Miami here today. And I used to love to watch a shuttle launch, and I saw all these icicles. I said, I hope they're not going to launch that. And, uh, and uh, several hours later, I got up, and I saw the space shuttle blowing up. There was an engineer by the name of Alan McDonald, who was a chief engineer, NASA was pressuring him to sign off so they could do the launch. He goes, I'm not going to do this. He goes, because the O-rings were never tested under this temperature. Okay. Anyway, the shuttle blows up. He pointed out a simple anomaly. So look at election systems. And by the way, engineers know this. Engineers know that every little thing matters, but in election systems, we've created this very complex mail-in ballot process. Many things can go wrong. So the reason I bring this up is if you want to do something in life, you have to look at what technology you're going to use. Would you use a jackhammer to put in a little nail? Into- <laughs> you, you, it would work, yeah. but you probably destroy the entire table too, right? Yeah. Use a, something called a hammer. I would argue Brexit in England was done with hand- ca- from. hand-counted yeah. paper ballots. And they did it in... Well, w-
1: all elections are. And you know what? There's never... I mean, there's a there's been a few questions about kind of sort of ballot dumps and kind of coercing right. communities to vote Labour. But generally speaking, my understanding is that the election system in, in Britain is pretty good. And what's more, with Brexit, I mean, the establishment did not want Brexit to happen, but the votes were counted. They were counted fairly and there was a majority for Brexit. So, yeah, and that's, that's something my own father talks about a lot, which is, that, you know, he's not a fan of these... Um, electronic voting machines. We just have simple simple ballots right. and, and, and they're hand counted. Hand, so, so, yeah. so if
0: you think about a piece of paper, filling in your thing and a hum, two human beings review it, yeah. maybe they scan it and they put it up, okay? Yeah. To me, right technology for the right situation. Why do we need these electronic voting machines? Yeah, you can do them faster, supposedly. So the right, it may be a hammer is much better and my argument is that, yes, we want technology, but who benefits? Who made these decisions to use electronic voting machines? Who does it actually benefit? And is it the right technology for something where you can use hand counter paper ballots, simpler, decentralized, easier, fully transparent? You do the images. So, yeah, we can do blockchain. Blockchain. But a lot of people don't understand blockchain. We're talking about a very simple democratic process. Yeah, it
1: can't be that difficult. It, can't, it shouldn't yeah. be that
0: difficult. Why yeah. not just make it hand counter paper ballots and you get a receipt, you make sure the person is who they are. Yes, there are people who are disabled, elderly people who can't come. For those people, we make a comment. That's not everything. You've
1: everyone. got to have a very good excuse. You know, right. You're disabled. Right. Or, yeah. So
0: I think the right technology for the right situation but when you we live in a world where we can use very complex technology that only five people know how to do there's a serious problem there you've created a, a democratic conundrum very few people know how that works and you've lost democracy so i think it's a socio technical systems problem it's not just a technology issue is is this technology good for all of society
1: okay Final thing, and I should have actually, I'm actually sort of backtrack a little bit here. But for me, as someone who doesn't understand technology and who doesn't understand these systems, for me, the anomaly in the uh, American uh, the twenty twenty election was quite clear, which is that I was where I was watching, uh, I was watching the election on a Zoom call with some friends, and we were saying, "Oh, Trump's going to win this in a landslide." I mean, he's just storming ahead in all these states. And then around kind of 11 p.m. Yeah. Eastern, I told to my, I said to my friend, you know, the results were coming in very quickly, and I said, well, it's all stopped. I mean, it's literally just stopped, and it stopped for about half an hour.
0: Around when things were about 95 percent. Was it that
1: high? I thought it was more sort of 75, 80. It, yeah, it, I mean, yeah, it, 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 depends a couple, the it
0: depends on state. state, yeah.
1: And and then it just stopped, and then everything started moving in Biden's direction. Uh, which struck me, and maybe there's an explanation for it, but struck me as an extremely strange thing to happen in an election. And then you had people in Atlanta going home when these elections, are, you know, you typically count all night. Right. There were lots of strange things that happened on, um, on, that, on election day. Can you just talk to me about that, if there's any? Yes, mis- so, so
0: here's, again, the issue with technology. And you're talking to a guy who's built technology <laughs> yeah. all of his life. Um, so when you saw and that's a serious anomaly, yeah, right. So you're pointing out.
1: I mean, that doesn't happen in the
0: UK. No, no. no but you saw an anomaly, right? <laughs> yeah. No one's given explanation for that. Yeah. No one has. There hasn't been Senate hearings on this, right? If an, again, if an airplane blew up, we call a major hearing, right? You bring you bring out all the stops. Yeah. You have to answer these questions. So again, I bring back to the central issue. I just put a little thing called Truth, Freedom, and Health right, get educated, be enslaved. One of the things we need to start recognizing is the 20th century was a century of relatively simple inventions, right? That were disconnected from others. The 21st century is a century of interconnected systems of inventions. Your iPhone is not just a little phone, it's connected to satellites, it's connected to apps. This thing is connected to all sorts of things. Driverless cars are connected to other things. These electronic voting systems have multiple stakeholders. Many people are involved in the soup of this technology. It's not just a paper ballot. So when you create complex systems called engineering systems, this is what they are, you need to have an educated public who can understand these systems and that's called system science. And so the educational paradigm has lagged beyond the technological advancements. So you have a broad set of the public which doesn't understand the complexity of these systems, nor do they have the understanding of how to even understand these systems. So what I started doing is recognizing this, and this is why you have this division left and right.
1: Yeah.
0: So I started about you know many years ago, I started creating a course at MIT, then we started offering it to the public. It's basically a Foundations of Systems course. My view is that the more people that start looking at a problem and taking a systems approach, what a systems approach is, look at the interconnections. Don't just take a position. And when you look at the interconnections of something, you can find what the real problem here is, what the real solution. So when you take a systems approach to electronic or our election issues, you find out the real issue here is that the systems are not transparent. And everyone, yeah. I'm sure whether you're left or right, wants transparent systems.
1: And there might, there might be an answer to what happened on, on election yeah. night, but the, and this is a point I've always made. There's no such thing as too much transparency. Exactly. So, so you look at something and like- And they don't want that. They don't- If, if you've got nothing to fear, then they should, I mean, they could make the argument that it's a waste of money, but ultimately, if that, if this was the most secure, the, um, the most secure, the fairest, freest election in American history, then they should be all for the audits because they've got nothing to lose. They've, they've got nothing to hide. Right, and
0: if you think about any other processor system in the world, again, for those people who are entrepreneurs, you guys run a publishing company, let's say customers called in and they said, hey, your website's slow. Would you say hey you're a conspiracy theorist you're an anti-vaxxer <laughs> yeah. shut the hell up you would say thank you let me go figure out why you find the root cause you know you say oh we're using a bad server let's replace it right for some reason these unelected officials who run elections believe that they do not have to share anything that they are above the law yeah. and that's what the real quote-unquote fraud is here
1: yeah no, and I, I thank you for your explanations on this because it's really fascinating, and I really like your position, which is that it's not you're not saying, uh, you know, they stole x amount of votes, this happened, this happened. You're saying we need transparency, and transparency can never be a bad thing. Um, I just want to follow onto onto another topic, obviously another very very relevant topic, uh, which is about the vaccines. Um, and, and, the, and by the, the way, Krenrars. you know, all these
0: stations watch what words we're saying and they start flagging you. So I use the word jabines. 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 That's the code word for vaccines. Vaccines. <laughs> um,
1: okay. All right. Well, <laughs> Our, yeah,
0: I, call it, I call it jabination.
1: Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, look. That's I, how we get over the thought police here. I, I share the view that, you know, Anthony Fauci, Dr. Fauci, is an extremely sinister, dangerous man. Who's pretty drunk on power. Um, however, I don't. I'm not of the view that these vaccines are kind of some plan to, you know, exterminate half the world population. Half the world's population. Mm-hmm. What? And I'm not saying that's your position either. What is your position on these vaccines? Because I'm just going to put something out there. In June, I took the Pfizer vaccine. I thought, on balance, you know, it's a nasty. It's a nasty, uh, nasty virus. You know, lots of my friends are taking it. It's going to help me, uh, you know, travel and whatnot. I'll take the damn thing, which is what I did. Which is your right, by yeah. the way. Which is and your... I took yeah. it, and I had symptoms, but everyone said that was normal. And about three, four days uh, afterwards, I started having weird feeling in my heart. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, to cut a long story short, four months afterwards, and I've, I don't think the issue is too serious, but my heart has has had i've had i felt things that i've never had before palpitations heartburn all this kind of thing my theory and what what i you know with the doctors i've spoken to is that it appears to be a case of light myocarditis hmm. now they've admitted they say that myocarditis is a side effect can be a side effect of the vaccine but the point i'm making is that i know firsthand that the vaccines uh sure might do uh, might have benefit some people but they've also caused some people harm so you' so tell me what is your position on these vaccines why are governments so keen for us to take you know not just two but three four five six until you know what what is what is your take on on the um, on this rollout this global rollout
0: yeah so um, just to level set with your audience people should understand that Uh, My PhD is in a field called biological engineering, which was a department that MIT created in 2007. Uh, One of the professors in that department who was a mentor of mine was an undergrad, a guy by the name of Bob Langer, who created liposomal technology, who actually made $3 billion off of Moderna, Okay, So the Department of Biological Engineering was created to take an engineering approach to biology, which was missing. It was in chemistry, it was in other fields. So, and I'm considered one of the leading guys on the immune system, which you won't see on Wikipedia. In November of 2019, is I was invited to give a prestige lecture, which is a very big honor by the National Science Foundation, which is the number one science organization in the United States, for that matter, in the world, on modern theory of the immune system. So it was in November of 2019. And in that lecture, I said, look, the modern concept of the jabination is based on a model of the immune system that goes back to 1915, which was all about white blood cells, and you said this two-box model, all right? And I, and then I shared the modern theory of the immune system. It's not just your innate immune system, and then your adaptive, which creates antibodies. You have the interferon system. You have the mouth, you have know, the microbiome in your gut. You have all these different systems. It's a very complex, much more complex system. Science advanced since 1915. And my point I made in that lecture was medicine is moving starting in 2007 to what is called precision and personalized medicine the right medicine for the right person at the right time so for example in your case let's say your doctor knew okay you have a history of heart issues i'm not saying you do actually okay? i
1: don't but my i do have a family history of heart, of heart. family issues yeah.
0: right so and you know if research was done when we give this this indication or whatever the intervention is, a vaccine or anything, right? They would say, hey, we should be careful here. We should watch this closely. Maybe we shouldn't do that intervention. We should do this, okay? The right medicine for the right person at the right time. That's called precision and personalized medicine. And that is where medicine in 2007 started moving after the genome project ended because we realized that we have the same number of genes as a worm. We thought we had more genes. So biology had a revolution in 2003 to seven saying we need to move towards finding the right medicine for the right person, all right? So why do I bring this up? So in 2019, I'd get just given my lecture and I see this quote, quote unquote coronavirus pandemic. And when I saw that and having been in the field, Fauci promoting everyone should be getting the same medicine for everyone. I said, this guy's a complete fraud. And I was the first one to bring that up because I know Fauci and how that entire NIH system runs and that he trolls massive amounts of research dollars to all the major This is all
1: coming out with the Beagles yesterday. Right, right. But I I said this back in 2020.
0: Yeah. And and I said that this guy has enormous power over all of these scientists. I happen to be a scientist who's not dependent on NIH funding. I've created my own companies. So I was the first one who said this quote unquote you know pandemic will go down in history as one of the Most powerful advertising campaigns intended to depress economies, destroy dissent and destroy our health. That went viral. No medical doctor said anything. Rand Paul didn't say anything. None of these people, James O'Keefe, none of them. Right. They watched until a year later when it became convenient now to talk about this because they watched which way the wind was blowing. This comes back to Alan McDonald. He said you have to say the right thing at the right time. Had more scientists come out and called out Fauci, who's basically a career bureaucrat, is really not a scientist, is pushing forward a a hundred year old science. When science is advanced, we would have had the problem solved. In fact, after I did that first tweet and I did a first video educating the public on the immune system, a senior White House economist called me and he said, Dr. Shiva, I saw your video. Please do more videos. Trump is not listening to the economists. He is listening to Fauci blindly. To the the economists. The Economist called me up. It was, it was quite a while. Well,
1: because he was making arguments about the economy, which I agree Yeah, with. shut down the economy, lock and, it down. And, and then health. Yes, but when, when you kill an economy, you also kill right, health. Right, So It's like the two things are. Well, totally it's, ba- it's based on a, a false. So if
0: you go back to March of 2020, I started doing videos on educating people on natural immunity, the immune system, vitamin D3. They started going viral before people started shutting me down. And I wrote a letter to Trump. I said, please do not shut down the economy. If you want to follow the principles of personalized medicine, it's still up there. I said, take all the people who are truly—if they have coronavirus, you know, like we do with any flu, they should be quarantined. They should stay home and get better. The people who are testing, who are elderly or sick, right? They may get it. Uh, please put them on high-dose vitamin D3, vitamin A quercetin, zinc, and I gave a protocol. These are not even my ideas. These have been 20,000 articles have been written on this. Yeah. I said, if people are critically ill, please give them high dose vitamin C, 100, 100 grams you know, titrated. That letter was eventually delivered to Trump, but he didn't do jack. Okay, He kept Fauci, didn't do anything. We are the ones who sponsored the Fire Fauci campaign. We raised over 200,000, close to 200,000 signatures, delivered it to him. Now Rand Paul is on the bandwagon, fire Fauci, but he says, cha-ching, give me money, cha-ching, give me money. The point is that Fauci is really not a scientist. He's a bureaucrat. Now you link that to the fact over the last 10 years, pharmaceutical companies have been burning and crying. Their pharmaceutical drugs are losing money. It takes very long for a pharmaceutical drug to come to market, it takes 15 years. $5 billion, and you can sue a pharmaceutical drug company if their drug fails. Now go over to vaccines or the Jabeans. The Jabeans are growing at 17%. You can't, they're not regulated, really. They're called a biologic. You don't need to go through as much testing. And thanks to Operation Warp Speed by Trump, they can get them through like that. So what we have right now is that pharmaceutical companies, Pfizer, most people don't know this, lost $25 billion in the last seven years, $25 billion. In pharmaceutical drugs, they're going to make up that much money in just the next year and a half with the jabine. You see, the big the elephant, the big <laughs> elephant, the the big elephant in the room is jabine as the savior for big
1: pharma, which is failing. Follow the money. And big pharma's always been uh, known to be one of the most powerful. Uh, right. Cor- Corp, entities or corporate. Trump
0: um, did for big pharma what Obama did for big banks.
1: But I mean, I'm just going so to that's, that's my position. I make this point to a lot of people about Trump. You said Trump did nothing. And I'm afraid a lot of people don't like it when I say this, but Trump did nothing on a lot of things. And the big thing he did nothing on was big tech. And he would have won that election in a landslide if he'd taken on the issue of big tech. Uh, and he didn't do that. So that's very unfortunate. Um, OK, well, that's that's very that's very interesting. And you've provided, again, really kind of. Um, credible and 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 easy to understand arguments about both the vaccine and the election which are actually two of the uh you know two of the biggest questions facing us um well the other is well, you just
0: brought up censorship you have the censorship you have mandates you have elections becoming selections and then you have censorship and the real issue of censorship our lawsuit in massachusetts discovered where we were the ones i don't when i ran for senate and i exposed the ballot images were deleted the Secretary of State of Massachusetts contacted Twitter and threw off. Our lawsuit showed. Are you hold on were,
1: Twitter nowadays.
0: No, 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 we were taken, we were thrown off, okay? Permanently. permanently. Okay. And it was when I exposed, but our lawsuit is a historic lawsuit because it exposed that the government of the United States, all governments have created a partnership with Big Tech. And we figured out all the mechanics of it. We figured out, and it's all published, okay? We found that the government has, for example, Twitter, a trusted Twitter partnership. It started in England. The the partnership uh, support portal was developed first by Twitter in England, then it was deployed in India, then Australia and Taiwan, then brought here. Government and big tech are one. Where government begins and where big tech ends, nobody knows. Government launders censorship of American citizens to big tech. That is what our lawsuit showed. We don't have the First Amendment in this country anymore. And,
1: and this, is, this is one of the things I find funny, which is that some people say, oh, well, you know, there's big, there's kind of this bipartisan consensus on big tech, you know, Elizabeth Warren Bernie Sanders, they don't like big tech. And it's like, well, no, the thing, the only, the difference between the Democrats who don't like big tech and the Republicans who don't like big tech is that the Democrats who don't like big tech don't think they're censoring enough. Right. They're saying there needs to be more censorship. Right. So it's a complete non-starter, that, that whole that whole well, thing. Well, one of the
0: things we need to understand is that the government of the United States, starting after 9-11, created the Patriot Act, which allowed... Very dangerous, piece of And then Trump extended the Patriot Act. you got to remember this. CISA, the Cyber Security Infrastructure Security Agency, was an organization spun out of Department of Homeland Securities, which was authorized to create a way to circumvent the First Amendment. That's what our lawsuit exposed. And they created an infrastructure where state election officials can report a US citizen to this nonprofit infrastructure, which will do the censorship. So government can have plausible deniability. And there, so the term we call it is laundering censorship. Laundering censorship, government launders. So there's a cozy arrangement with government and big tech.
1: And I, yeah, yeah. And one, one thing I find fascinating. Sorry to sort of go go off on a tangent here, but is that you know Jack Dorsey, you know, likes to characterise himself as a bit of a libertarian, and you know he's pushing, he's pushing cryptocurrency, and he says banning Trump sets a bad precedent, which you know raises the question: Is he even really in control of Twitter? I don't
0: know. He, he isn't. So, so Jack yeah. Dorsey isn't. You know, most of these guys are puppets. Jack Dorsey, for example, went all the way to India. You know, and met with lower caste women saying how he's against the caste system in India. Yeah. Right. Well, he just threw off a low caste, me, dark skinned, me, Republican who ran for office, who exposed state election officials. His Twitter collaborated with the government. Yeah. Jack Dorsey is a com- is essentially a puppet. You know, everything he does is the guy uh is a hypocrite, like most liberal elites are. Yeah. The liberal elites are typically the racists. The liberal elites, the real racism, yeah. not the fake racism yeah, that they yeah, perpetuate. Yeah. There's a real racism.
1: Like when they throw the thing at Larry Elder, you know, with the gorilla mark. Right.
0: And, right. Yeah. So 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 the we have a multiracial aristocracy now in the world. Black, white, yellow, the Obamas are the ones who, who unleash this multiracial aristocracy of liberal racism. And what I mean by that is if you're a white guy from the south, you must hate black people. If you're an Indian guy, you must move your head left to right, and you <laughs> must be ready to take a good beating. You won't defend yourself. You will surely not tell the truth. And if you're beaten up, you'll say, "Okay, I agree with you." So the idea is, if you, the goal of this liberal racism is to put people in a box, and when you step out of it, to publicly lynch you. So that's what's actually going on. So the liberal elites are the racists. So Jack Dorsey is a racist. So Liz Warren is a racist. She uses race for her advancement.
1: Yeah. And they um, if 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 racial minorities don't agree with them uh, and their gender, then they get then that's when their racism really starts. Right. So what you just said, talking about India actually perfectly uh, dovetailed into my on the final question I was just going to ask, because I think it's interesting. It's interesting. Uh, it's a separate topic, but I believe you're a vocal supporter of uh, Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi, is that, is that correct?
0: Well, I, so my, my experience, you know, I, I was born in India. Yeah. I came here in 1970, grew up in uh, the United States, and I, I used to go back to India once a year. Um, in 20, 2008, nine, and 10, I went back to India after I finished my PhD at MIT to do a Fulbright because I was very interested in the Indian systems of medicine And so I took three years off to really uh, make a major discovery, linking Indian systems of medicine, modern engineering theory. But anyway, when I was going, getting ready to leave India, I was recruited by the Prime Minister of India before Modi, a guy called Manmohan Singh, to run one of the largest scientific research center initiatives on innovation. I took that job as a two-year job, but before I could even do anything, I discovered massive corruption in the Indian science infrastructure, which I, me being me, I wrote an article, didn't keep my mouth shut. It got me fired, terminated, evicted, and I got chased out of India under death threats. That was in 2010, had to make my way, you know, up to the Nepal border and out. It's a very interesting story. Uh, Three years after I exposed all this, Modi was elected and he invited me back. The reason Modi's election was quite revolutionary is that India never, you know, white men with crowns left India and brown men with white hats took over. <laughs> Gandhi was really not, he was basically an agent of the British, okay, of British colonialism. Gandhi was brought in because there was truly a revolutionary movement brewing in India, which wanted to have a good revolution. And Gandhi was essentially brought in to tell the Indian masses, it's good to get your head bashed in, speak some nonviolent philosophical nonsense. <laughs> and what he did was he essentially transferred power. The British were planning to get out of India anyway, because they had such a wonderful administrative elite. Yeah. And he transferred power from the British elite to the Indian elite, and India went through massive, multiple decades of Nehru, who was the first prime minister of India. Then he gave power to his Indi- daughter Indira, who gave power to her son Rajiv, who gave power to her, her, her daughter-in-law. So India has basically had a dynasty. So it, Modi did not come from that dynastic rule. He came bottoms up. He came in on a landslide. So in many ways. Even beyond Trump, you know, Modi didn't come from wealth. He wasn't a billionaire. So Modi, I liked because he had kept a a number of his values. Um, He was truly a person who came from nothing. And in many ways, his election really threw a wrench in for the elites of India. So I considered that a major movement forward.
1: And he's, um, yeah, I mean, it it was interesting to me because I remember when he got elected and after Trump took office. Steve Bannon was one of the people saying, you know, he was a big fan of Modi. And but yeah, I mean, so what you just said, it sounds like ha, does he have a very strong anti-corruption line? And my, my well, main question was, why is he good for the West? Why should I care about Modi? Obviously, it's a country of more than a billion well, people, so you know is <laughs> well, gonna be more and more important. But i just like to understand Well more well about broadly, why,
0: what we need to understand is that force also good. The force so if you go from a Philosophical position, right?
1: Yeah.
0: If you go back to the Enlightenment, right, which is you know, and you go back to the period of the Renaissance, right, one of the fundamental theories here is that it's about freedom, the individual being able to pursue their dreams. And if you go back to that core philosophy, it was always about the individual being have have a direct connection with their creator, whatever that was, and to pursue their dreams. That was really the founding of the American revolutionary movement. In many ways, much of the Indian spirituality, if you look at it, Hinduism, which is a very disorganized religion, by the way.
1: Well, it's a massive religion. Yeah,
0: but it's very totally disorganized. No one even knows what Hinduism is. But (laughs) the foundations of Hinduism is it's about you and your relationship with the divine. It's about you and figuring that out. So Modi's election, in many ways, was valuable because India never had an opportunity to express its own nationalism. And to the extent, if you want to talk about internationalism, globalism, whatever you want to call it, Let's talk about the perhaps official international cooperation. I don't believe that you can talk about internationalism until you define your own nationhood. Exactly. India, India never had an opportunity to do that. Okay. For the last 70 years, Gandhi basically screwed over Indians. He told them being an Indian meant beating getting yourself beaten up. That was in the Indian psyche. Indians never stand up you know, strong and be I'm an Indian. So
1: Modi is really sort of the, never beginning, had a good the beginning w- of Indian nationalism and India in a, yeah, as a
0: world power. Yes. But yeah. India. So remember, nationalism can have two sides to it. Cultural nationalism. Let's go back to the good old days and, you know, put everyone in chains and, you know, the elites run <laughs> or a progressive nationalism. Yeah. So. So, I mean, you have to watch both elements of it. I'm not for the cultural nationalism I'm for the progressive nationalism where people get to define themselves. India never had that opportunity fully, thanks to Gandhi, thanks to the fact that the revolutionary sentiments of the broad mass of Indian people was never expressed. He basically curtailed that so to that extent is why I like Modi because at least you start seeing that expression doesn't mean it's fully come into being now what that what's advan- advantageous is whether you're in the West or anywhere else, it gives an opportunity for people to start really understanding what an what this Indian person is, right yeah right where is the true origin of the culture of india not the culture of moving your head left to right and saying beat me up and it's okay to do that and keep doing that to me that's what yeah. gandhi really did you know he's he, he's really if, if gandhi is the father of india where there's a lot of bastards running around in my <laughs> view
1: <laughs> so we've had a great conversation i've just got one one final question yeah. it, which is you know you guy is doing a lot of things um you know, as we've said, you know, you're 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 an academic, you're a politician, you're you know, a commentator, a scientist, all these numbers of those things. But you won for office uh, against Elizabeth Warren in 2018. Yeah, as a Republican th- candidate. For- no, we
0: ran. So we ran in 2018. I ran as an independent. Ah, yes. To give you the background, I, I was always a ground activist. I never believed in either party. I okay. never voted until 2016. <laughs> I was inspired right. uh, to run because Trump. And I ran as an independent because the Republican Party in Massachusetts is one with the Democrats. They never even wanted me to run. So we ran right. as an independent under the slogan, only the real Indian can defeat the fake Indian. It's ah. a great ad campaign. <laughs> yeah. we, we are the ones who forced her to take the DNA test and she had to sprinkle in Mexican genes even to get up to the one out of 1,024.
1: And that, that absolutely finished her for, right. for and, and will finish. Her. I mean, she will never be president. Yeah, we Texas. did that. So or, our or campaign even, exposed or even that. the nominee. And right. that's... Um, You know that's disappointing for her because she's ambitious. So yeah, I mean, you seem to me that the kind of person the Republican needs, which the Republican Party needs, which is, you know, uh, a true immigration success story and support of the American Dream, and a guy who understands issues and you know is you know uh, understands these issues and you know, uh, can connect with the grassroots. So do you intend to running for this? Is that your,
0: well, is that your intention? I, well, what, remember, I've always been since 1981, since a 17 year old kid, kid and activist, which is to encourage people to think beyond left and right. So if you consider that running for politics, I've been doing that for nearly you know, thirty nine years. Electoral okay. politics was relatively new in twenty eighteen and now in twenty twenty. Um, Right now, what we're doing is we took our Senate campaign because it was so productive, we engaged people worldwide, that we have moved that to a movement called Truth, Freedom, and Health. And what that movement says is number one, freedom. If you're not willing to defend freedom, the United States has this thing called the First Amendment or did have it, you have nothing because freedom is a basis for movement of people, matter, information, and energy, which means movement of knowledge, movement of ideas. And once you suppress freedom, you can't get into something more fundamental called the search for truth. Because you cannot express a scientific method. So that's the truth part of it. So what's going on in the world right now is three major tech companies in collusions with governments have controlled freedom. Which means once you control Google, freedom. Google,
1: Twitter, Facebook.
0: Google, Twitter, and Facebook. Okay? And because of that, you can't really practice a scientific method. Which is you take all sorts of wacky ideas. Yeah. Right? All ideas are supported, conspiracies, non-conspiracies, but yeah. you put them to the test of the scientific method. As Richard Feynman said, you you have an idea, you have to go do the experiment to gather data and you validate it. If you're, if, you're, if the data doesn't support your guess, you're just wrong. It doesn't matter how good looking you are, what family you come from, that's a scientific method, right? So we don't have the scientific method anymore, we have scientific consensus. If enough people say, yes, jab everyone, Yeah. Jab around with the exact same thing. Yeah. Every scientist agrees because it's pay to play science. The scientific
1: so, consensus—that is a term, you know—which yeah, is, is opposite yeah. to the
0: scientific method.
1: Yeah. So we, and, you know, this group of people said it's right, so it's right and it's right forever.
0: That's right, and the, and definitely the 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 sun goes around the earth. Remember yeah. that, okay? <laughs> the sun goes around the earth. The Vatican said that it must be so. Forget this little guy over here. Galileo has got evidence. Put it, you know, step aside. Nothing to see here. So that's where we're at right now. And once you don't have truth and freedom, you don't get health. Infrastructure health, your economic health, your physical health, and you don't have the strength to fight for truth or freedom. So our movement, what we've done is, we're starting to educate people on this systems approach to looking at the world. It's called system science.
1: Yeah. And let me just remind,
0: whether you may know this, Ben, but the elite institutions trained their theoreticians, their advisors in system science. About eight to 10,000 people who run the world today know system science. And my view is we need to train about 50,000 everyday people in system science. So every Monday nights, I've started doing that. We've created an infrastructure. People can go to truthfreedomhealth.com. And the idea is to bring the world together, not on just some bogus thing called unity, but on a way to look at the world beyond left and right. And if anything, that is the right way to look at the world, okay? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And also make sure to go to elamerican.com. So it's E-L. E. L. A. M. E. R. I. K. A. N. I. C. A. N. I. C. A. N. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Go. Go. Tell them we're trying to build a uh, conservative news outlet, media outlet um, aimed at the Hispanic population, uh, where we're open to ideas and giving an alternative to Hispanic media, which generally just pushes the um, you know the liberal the liberal consensus. Not just the scientific consensus, but the liberal consensus. So, Dr. Shiva, thank you so much for Great. your time. Thanks, Ben. Thank you very much. much. Cheers. So, anyway,
0: lamerican.com. That's where Ben is going to also do a write-up of an interview, and then there'll be excerpts of this up there. But we gave everyone a preview here. L. So, people are saying spell it again. L-American. E-L-A-M-E-R-I-C-A-N, like American, yeah. dot com. Okay? Yeah. Thank you, everyone. Thank Thanks, you Ben. Cheers. Be well. Have a good evening or good afternoon. <laughs>